When life is difficult, Samaritans are here. Day or night, 365 days a year. You can call them for free on 116 123. Email them at joe at or visit Whatever you're facing, the Samaritans are here to listen. Hi there, this is Nick from the Beer Podcast. This is a quick trigger warning. The following podcast contains information regarding suicide, substance abuse and alcohol abuse. If you are affected by any of these things, please reach out to the relevant services for the help that you deserve. Thank you. Welcome to the Beer Podcast. My name's Nick Mins. Uh, on tonight's podcast, I am joined uh, by Josh, who comes from Euphoric Recall Art. Um, Josh, thanks so much for joining us here tonight, mate. It's uh, really, really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, I mean, I've seen some of your artwork online. Absolutely amazing. Got to say, just right off the back, absolutely amazing artwork. Um, so... Really, we'll, I mean, we'll come on to the artwork in a bit, but um, really, where where did your story, your journey begin with uh, mental health? Um, my, it started when I was about five. My mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and up until that point, I was normal childhood, uh, breast cancer, and it just, it really threw the family like just turned everything upside down to be honest um sorry i get i forget um oh no no take your time no problem it's the old anxiety yeah it kind of it turned everything upside down um i was kind of passed around to quite a lot of like family and godparents and stuff um kind of separated from my sister so obviously, I think socially that really like constricted me. I didn't get that much socializing. I spent quite a lot of time in uncertainty and fear. Um, a lot at school, I was pretty disruptive, naughty. Um, like one saving grace, my my auntie worked at the school I was at, um, and she kind of kept kept me kind of on the straight and narrow to a degree. And then she herself was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and then not long after she passed away. Um, and a situation that was already quite precarious just became absolute chaos, to be honest. So mum was like, she was in and out of treatment and stuff. And obviously man, he had passed away. Um, so we, my dad worked nights, so me and my sister was kind of passed about again. Um, and I was like coming up to secondary school at this point. Um, it'd been a good like five years of just chaos. Um, and mum was just in and out of hospital. I just didn't really feel like I fitted in at school. I was so anxious, didn't even know what anxiety was just 
grin and bear it, bottle it all up. Um, still disruptive at school. I had numerous counsellors being like, you're like a volcano, you've got, you need to talk. And it's like, I don't really have no grasp of what I actually need to talk about. Like I'd spoke about the situations like my mum, but it was never got to like, no one really asked like, oh, how do you feel about it? There was quite a lot of at school like, oh, she'll be okay. And it's like, but she might not be. Like, no one was like, everyone just kind of wanted to wrap it in cotton wool and didn't really want to talk about like the elephant in the room. Um, I think that, that really affected me for a long time. Um, and like school has kind of carried on that way, just naughty, blah, blah, blah. Then when I kind of about 15, 16, I, as you do, started like drinking and stuff um, and going out with like my mates. Um, I got into a relationship, just kind of normal, really. Um, and then I kind of broke up from that relationship um, and it ended quite badly. And I just, I had no self-esteem left. I I was close to rock bottom at like that age. I just, just so anxious, struggled to kind of wash really, um, look after myself properly. Just didn't really know where life was going. Um, I ended up getting a job and just like, listen to like what, like what you did. Do you know what I mean? You leave school at 16. If you're not going to uni, you get a job. Um, I started working in a greenhouse and I remember the first day I started, I was like, oh my God, is this, is this it for like the rest of my life until I retire? Like, I don't know how I can keep doing this. Um, but I did, I just kind of kept going to work and on the weekend I would just get drunk, blah, blah, blah. Um, and until one day just, I just kind of snapped really. Um, I'd been self-harming from a young age. Um, when I was young, I didn't know really what I was doing. I had no idea what self-harm was. I just had an impulse and that was it. I did that. Um, and at this point, like self-harm got really bad, like really bad. Um, I was drinking all the time, taking that cocaine, I'd miss work. I would just, just kind of off the rails really, not wanting to admit to anyone that there's anything wrong. Like, it's like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm just going through some stuff. And it's like, yeah, clearly. Um, and then I ended up losing my job. I carried on like with the drugs, I ended up picking up weed, which just, I remember smoking it a couple of times with my friends. Um, and then that was it. I, every day, every single day I would, that's all I would do is just get high, pretend that life was brilliant and nothing was happening until, again, I just kinda, I just snapped. I. I just couldn't keep going the way I was going, like suicidal ideation started to creep in and I 
it just got to a point where I just didn't really want to be here anymore. Um, I just didn't know. I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel at this point. The only kind of coping mechanisms I had were all like maladaptive, like alcohol and self-harm. Um, until one day my friend was like, he pulled me aside and he was like, Josh, I think you've got anxiety. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And not a clue what that is. I thought I was just shy and couldn't really speak to people. Um, just thought it was a bit weird. So I kind of took him up on that because it just got to a point where I just couldn't keep going the way I was going. Um, I really needed some help. So I decided to like, okay, instead of kind of acting on my suicidal thoughts, I'll actually seek help. Do you know what I mean? There's help out there. So I kind of seeked help and I was given CBT, um, put on medication, diagnosed with social anxiety in general, which I didn't even know there was two different ones. Yeah. <laughs> anxiety to me is just anxiety. Um, and it, for a while it kind of it stuck like I was in therapy and things were starting to get better I I was in part of um, a drug place called e, East Riding Partnership so I was not the cannabis I'd stopped drinking I had stopped taking cocaine and things were looking really good um, but I think and then I kind of finished my therapy and it was just like, right, there you go. There's the rest of your life, uh, go get in. It was fine for a while. And then I think I lasted about four months after like the therapy finished and I started going downhill again. I think it's hard when you've seen the light in the tunnel, had some support and got some help and then you start going downhill again and it's like what what why what's wrong with me why can't i just very black and white why can't it all just be like roses now and why can't i just move on and just felt like a failure because i think in our world a lot of worth is put on money and i felt like i had all this support and all this kind of money put onto me and i'm just i'm still just not very well so i I ended up relapsing back onto alcohol, uh, back onto alcohol first, but it wasn't that much of a a day to day thing at that point. I I remember I, I ended up standing on the Humber Bridge one night. I'd had an argument with my family. I was stood on the Humber Bridge and I had some cannabis in my pocket, and it was like, "What do I do here?" Because I was. It wasn't that I wanted to kind of end it. I just, I just wanted the pain to stop. I just didn't want to keep kind of spiraling down. And in the end, I made the choice to just pick up drugs again, which I think for me kind of shows where it's, looking back now, it's slightly positive for the fact that I was quite determined to look for other outs. Um, the idea of using drugs isn't the right idea, but actually kind of trying to problem solve and actually 
not wanting to feel the way I felt is quite a positive thing, really. So this all just kind of carried on in and out of stages of sobriety up until I, I think it was 2017 when, well, back end of 2016, I started, I woke up one morning and just thought, oh, why don't I just have a drink this morning? So I decided to have a drink um, of alcohol just on one morning and that just kind of changed it all. I started drinking every day, like I couldn't take my dog out just for sheer anxiety. So I thought I'll just have a drink before I take the dog out. It's fine, it helps. Um, and that really, that really spiraled. I wouldn't see any of my family. I'd just stay in my room, just drinking vodka on my own. Um, I'd self-harm, I would just, just spiral. Um, I'd wake up in the morning with the shakes. I would just be constantly being ill, but as soon as I'd had that one drink, it was just back at the same thing again. Um, and each, like each night it was like, right, tomorrow I will, I need to get myself sorted. Um, and then the next day comes and you carry on and it just got for my family as well it just got unbearable my my anger was just everywhere i'd end up trashing the house i think it was just like i i've got so much emotion and so much feeling and i don't know what to do like i've had multiple bouts of like therapy and nothing's kind of worked i I was just on self-destruct. Um, I, I felt at that point that I probably, I would have benefited from being sectioned really. I think that's kind of, I just needed something to change. Um, and one, one night I was feeling that lie wrong with the crisis team, spoke to the crisis team. Um, and she was like, we'll ring you back in morning because you're, pretty drunk I can't understand you and I thought I was pretty sober but I really wasn't um so I spoke to him the next day and I was like oh how are you feeling I was like oh, I'm really anxious I'm a bit like jittery and she was like you sound like you're withdrawing and I didn't I just didn't even think of these things like throughout it all I kind of thought about the action rather than the consequences yeah of yeah um so I was put back in touch with East, pa East Riding Partnership um, and they started trying to taper me down off alcohol. It was like, you're, you're an alcoholic. I was like, oh God. A part of me though, there was like, don't stop drinking it. Like straight away, just don't because it's dangerous. And I was like, part of me was like, oh, brilliant. Like I've got the green light here to carry on. And a part of me was like, I just want to, just want to stop this. Um, after, I think mean, it was a couple of months and I was, they wanted me to go to a community rehab. Um, and I was like, so much kind of traumas happened whilst in where I was living. I was like, I need to get away. I was like a community rehab won't work. Like it, 
and it wasn't that I wouldn't try it. Like, I'd try it, but I just knew that I kind of, it was like the first time that I kind of put my foot down and knew what I needed and was like, this is what I need. Um, I ended up getting funding and I went to a place called Phoenix Futures in Sheffield, a residential rehab, um, which was absolutely terrifying. So it was just like a whole different world, like having to like share rooms and stuff. Um, I, before that, I did a 10 day detox, which was, I think it was, it was pretty rough. <laughs> it was pretty rough. There's times when I, I spoke to the rehab and I was like, I don't know if I can make it. And it was like, just, just give it a try. Just keep going and give it a try. And I was like, okay and just trying to like hand it over and listen to other people's advice because my own kind of action and will ended me up in a detox so i ended up going to the rehab and it was just a big shock to the system um sat in a room with like 30 people and you had to kind of go around in like the circle every night in the meeting and just say how you was feeling and stuff and i was like this is this is uncomfortable. Like, I don't really like admitting this kind of stuff to a therapist, let alone a room of 30 random people. But it, it really changed. It changed everything. It changed my life, like just kind of listening to what other people said, people going through very similar situations and have been through stuff that worse than that what I've been through some really really intense stuff and it's like seeing them on the road to recovery like if you can do that like I can do that um I had my ups and downs my self-harming came back I think as I took away the alcohol as a support self-harm then came back in um and that was kind of in and out. I I'd made so much progress. Like I you could never get on a bus before. Um, and I was getting on a bus and I was going to like groups outside of the rehab on my own. Um, just making loads of progress that I never thought I'd make. Um, got to do some activities that never thought I'd do, like a sailing trip we got to go on, which was again, it was another defining kind of moment because you was on a boat with like 15 20 people and having to like manage my emotion in those kind of confined spaces if I can manage it here then doing it out in the like larger world was a bit easier um, and once I, I spent 10 months in there which was I had unlimited funding <laughs> By by that point, I was glad to get out, and I went to a supported housing, which was through them, um, and they ended up with my key worker. Then I got some support with the the community mental health team there, because um, obviously I was off drinking stuff, and I was like, right, I need to kind of really sort myself out. So I'd, with the community mental health team, I got a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder um, and there's a lot of stigma around that and there's a lot of stigma around it from people I was kind of close with at the time like oh do your own reading up on it like 
and it's like for me mental health like obviously is massively stigmatized and i think people don't realize that people who have it stigmatize themselves like with that like my worst stigma comes from me to be honest um and that's like where my kind of journey of like speaking and like art really came came out because it was like i don't really want to I want to stand up for people who can't talk, who feel like they can't talk. Um, and for someone who suffered so badly with anxiety, like getting on the internet to the whole wild world could watch if they want and just being honest. Doing that just kind of trumped my anxiety. It was like, I'm not going to hide. Anyone can see it. Um, and from then on, I have just gradually climbed there's been moments where I was sectioned for my own safety um because I think with BPD you have there's such drastic mood change um I wasn't prepared to like handle it and I think in the past like when I had been going on a really good point is because that's where my mood's been uh it's where I've been in my cycle and then all of a sudden I'm self-destructive and I've got no confidence. Um, and like looking back on all that now, it's understandable why certain things didn't work and why things have come back in and out. But I think I've, as I've gone on, I've kind of like shedded these small parts every time I do kind of go through a dark spot. I come back out now on the other side kind of freer because I'm able to work on that. I'm willing to kind of voice it and kind of work on that. Um, and like the past two years now really have been, been the best two years of my life, to be honest. It's, don't get me wrong, I've had my struggles, like my mum recently, well, not recently, um, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed again with breast cancer, um, and now it's uncurable. Um, so we've been kind of going through that, which has been really hard. Um, but I found a lot of power in being able to actually support my family now. Like, when I was younger, I couldn't do anything to help, and, like, my mum's very much like me, like, oh, I've just got to grin and bear it. It's my bed, and, and it's like, well, no, it's not. It's like, you didn't choose for this to happen. Like, you deserve support as well. So I go through a lot to her kind of scans and stuff. I She struggles to take the information and I'm there to kind of listen and kind of put that in, information across to my mum on a later date. Um, I've lost track. Um, <laughs> you've covered a lot <laughs> tell me about it tell me about it yeah and that's pretty much where I'm at really to be honest um, like I mean, you, I mean it is, it's quite a journey it is quite a journey but do you know like I suppose like some of the things that you mentioned there with regards to you know you like I think the one thing that struck me is when you said you were on the bridge and you had that that kind of, you know, the, the bag in your hand and you kind of thought, well, I'm going to choose this. And yeah, like you say, sometimes it's not, 
it maybe isn't the best uh, you know thing to do. However, the other option was you yeah. know ending it. Yeah, yeah, you chose something mm. else. So it, yeah. it showed, if anything, that there was that thing with inside of you saying, mm. "Look, we need to find something else instead yeah. of that." So mm. I think it's surprising as well. Like, I mean, because I've I've been able to talk to a, you know a few people who have talked about self harm and and suicide and uh, again it's another one of them things which is massively stigmatized i think people in the past have seen it as though if you say that you're suicidal or you want or you've thought about taking your own life you're um you know you're you're looking for uh what's the word you're kind of seeking attention do you know yeah. that that you know you, you just oh, i'm yeah. just i'm just seeking attention where whereas really it's it's almost like like a latch ditch, like this is, mm. uh, it, it's almost like, look, I can't deal with what's going on in my head. And like mm. you say, like the biggest stigma that I think that sufferers of mental health have is the stigma that they put on themselves. Yeah. I think as much as the fan of feel like this stuff from the outside coming in, we as sufferers say, mm. you know, we are the worst, we are this, we're failures, mm. yeah. you know, we, we shouldn't be feeling this. We'd probably be better off not here because then yeah. our family, wouldn't have to put up with all my crap and all this lot, but they, you know, it, it, I think it's just how your mind gets itself into really. So, as I say, quite quite the journey that you've <laughs> yeah, that you've been on. Um, I mean, do you do you think that the the residential stay in the feed? Do you think that was like a real big turning point for you? I think that yeah, I've had a lot of smaller turning points but I think that was the one that really I think it was that was the one where I made the choice like I need instead of like in certain therapies it's been like you need to do this and you need to do that like it was actually I need to go away um, and especially within kind of addiction stuff they don't always wrap you up in cotton wool it can be very like I, I would see some of my behavior, like I would be quite selfish and stuff like that. Um, and like when I go off with my anger within the rehab setting, I would actually get fed back how that made people feel. Um, and it was really good to kind of see the negative sides of me and what I could actually work on and be better um, to myself. And it, I'd lived in Sheffield after like the rehab for about three years, um, just kind of building, just building. But no, yeah, definitely rehab was, it was the turning point. I've had bumps in the road since, but it was the one where I'd, I'd made my decision to live pretty much. I, th I think when, when you kind of have those moments and you kind of feel like, you know, I suppose... The one thing that a lot of you know people who are on this journey of mental health is is that this you say that there's bumps in the road. I think you expect that there's going to be bumps in the road, but yeah. half the time it's how you then navigate that bump. Does that bump mm. take you off the road again, or do you keep do you you know just navigate your way around it and get yourself back on yeah. the road? And I think that's that's a real kind of um, I suppose it's a real key to success of of kind of controlling mental health and, and, you know, I suppose 
thinking it's, yeah, this is part of me, but it doesn't define the way I am. I, I can have these days where, you know, I noticed on your Instagram story earlier when you were just saying it's not maybe not one of them days today you know what i mean just and 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 you know a few days ago i was exactly the same i just woke up i just felt like it it you just couldn't put my finger on it but it was just going to be one of them days um but it's how you then keep yourself going and you move past that that day and you kind of get yourself back on that on that road if you like really so i suppose now let's talk about um Let's talk about your art and where yeah. that because they say your artwork's absolutely amazing. Thank you. Um, but how does I suppose does your artistic side of things, especially your your your, your paintings and things like that, does that does your mental health kind of kind of does it thrive that a little bit really? Does it feed it? Yeah, massively. Um, and at first it was a really good way of getting out um, and getting it out there and kind of talking about it um, and then from maybe the, like the past seven months it became a little bit I would end up like dragging loads of old feelings and topics up just to kind of create work and it just became a little bit negative in itself um and that's why i've started to do a lot more illustration and focusing on like a lot of like animals and stuff like that and like drawing and stuff because it just feels a little bit that stuff that i loved before my mental health i think as like my journey's gone on i still talk about my mental health pretty much constantly but the way i kind of i speak about is a little bit different now because i'm not so much living in like the kind of pain i'm kind of more reflecting and kind of this is how I kind of keep well. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, um, what would you say would be like your number one, I suppose, inspiration when you do um, kind of paint? The thing is, my wife's the artist, I'm more the musician. So... um, but yeah, I mean, what would you say? I mean, you see, is it could can it be some like you just maybe see something and then it, it kind of brings on like this this idea, or would it be something that's kind of dragged up and then you kind of think, right, I've I've got that energy now. Now I need to I can get that down. I think yeah, I think it really depends. Sometimes it can be a really big, just impulsive thing, or I could be inspired by other people's work and think, oh, I really like that idea, um, and then it'll just get me ticking. Um, but a lot of it is kind of like, especially my abstract stuff is like impulsive. Like I will just look at the blank canvas and then 10 minutes later, it's just full of emotion. Um, I don't really plan those kind of works, but if I'm working more illustration, it is a lot more planned. Um, I think that has been just more growth, like being able to sit down and plan things. I mean, do you have a do you have a more favoured way of, of painting, would you say? Or do you think they're both? Illustration now is yeah. what I really love. I think it's just be allowing myself, like, this is what I love. Um, I, I do sell a little bit less of it, but that's not why I do it. Um, and I just ended up at one point making a lot of abstract stuff because it's sold and it's like, this isn't this isn't really me um 
but I've put my abstract to use now. I use a lot of it within my backgrounds and I like to kind of try to blend the two. Um, I think it's just growth as people in it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. down the line, just love crochet, but right. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when you take up knitting, you know, you know, <laughs> and you're doing scarves and God knows what, you'll be all right. Um, but it, it, it's interesting, do you know, when, when you kind of think, because I, I always used to see it as, I, I don't really write music as much anymore now, but definitely when I was in my teens, I kind of used to write my songs and write lyrics and I kind of feel like I had to have like an emotion behind them to then write them, do you know? Um, and even when I listen back to some of the music now and I kind of think I can... I can really picture where I was in myself when I was writing those or writing them lyrics because those lyrics might sound like quite aggressive and, you know, quite negative, but then these ones sound very positive and even the melody and everything, I think how it, how it goes. So it, it was just, it was just one of the things I saw kind of some different pieces you're at on your Instagram yeah. and there was like the, the abstract some of the ones where you were kind of like it was just all these different like like bits of color all over and you could yeah. kind of really see that sort of emotion within there yeah. and then like the illustrations as well so it, it was really interesting i think art and things like that give you a real sense of expression as yeah. well yeah no definitely and it's taking me places like i go to a craft fair called craft and flea um, and i sell my work there and it's just been, it's been amazing, like really challenging myself to, because I'm, I'm not a salesman, but I, it's just nice to kind of meet new people and I do get a bit of validation from it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so the way we, uh, the way I, when we come to the end of the podcast, yeah. I always, I always ask the same question with everybody. Yeah. Um, and my one question that I always ask everybody is if you were to give one nugget of advice so just one nugget of advice which you feel would be most helpful so anybody who's listening now might be in the same position that or yeah. that you've been in what would be that one little nugget of advice um I think it's okay to talk like it's okay to feel it's okay to have bad days I think it's just talking like there's people who do want to listen um and there's support out there I mean, like talking <laughs> it sounds simple but so sometimes that's the hardest thing to do isn't it you know yeah. it's just to talk yeah. honestly mate this is you know tonight it's been such an amazing podcast to listen to for you to you know open up with your story and as i say you've had definitely a long journey yeah. but i think if anything it's more of a a testament to the individual you are in how far you've managed to bring yourself and where you are now so as i say uh, it, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to, to you tonight honestly um thank you very much for sharing your journey with uh, the listeners I'm, I'm sure it'll help people it really will so i say thanks so much josh and for everyone else i'll see you on the next podcast